And hello again, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Frazier and Dieter's Business Beat. I'm John Ray, alongside my good pal, Roger Lesby. Roger. Good morning, John. How are you? I'm great. Great. Glad to have you back. You missed last month. but yeah, thank uh, we, you. We had a great show with the good folks at Cadence Bank. And uh, Bradley Carroll, you sent over to, to take your place, and he did a great job. Yeah, that's what I heard. I was cruising in Alaska, but Bradley said it was uh, very enjoyable, and I think he had four or five executives from Cadence Bank. So He filled up this studio. Yeah. I mean, Bradley, he filled up all the chairs, and we had to bring in some, but it was, all, but it was a lot of fun. Great story that, of Cadence Bank uh, and the great work that they are doing. But you've brought along another great guest today, Tommy Xavier. And Tommy is uh, a national practice leader within the firm on R&D tax credits. Tommy, welcome. Well, thank you for having me. Good morning. It's great to have you. For those that don't know you, talk a little bit about who you are, what you do within the firm. It's obviously tax credits, but uh, dive into that a little deeper. How much time do we have? I, mean, <laughs> I, I am old. <laughs> that's, that's, we got all the time you need, man. Okay. So uh, I started out as an engineer, electrical engineer. I worked uh, in the industry and found that I was much better at it uh, from a business side than I was an engineer. So I switched over, became a CPA, and uh, was with the big four my most in, almost my entire career. And from there, uh, fell into this gig called research and development credits and found a great niche that married my engineering side and my CPA side. And, um, um, I've been blessed that it's taken me around the world. I mean, from starting in New York to California to living in Australia, going around the world and doing this R and D credit gig and then finally landing here in Atlanta. One of the things I read about you in preparation for the show that I really appreciated was that your background, you see that background as being really beneficial to you in helping you explain difficult topics in layman's terms. And that's something that's really important for a CPA firm to be able to do. It is. I mean, we're, we're all very technical. We all understand the tax code, but our clients don't, and they don't need to. So when I'm asked what do I do to people who don't know tax code, I tell them I'm just an overpaid translator. I, I translate engineering geek to tax CPA geek. Cool stuff. Now, Tommy, I also read that you've been with Frazier and Dieter for about a year now. Correct. Yeah, of all the CPA firms you could have joined, and I'm sure there were a lot that were after you because this is an important topic, uh, why Frazier and Dieter? Well, I was a, I'm at a stage in my career where I, I know what I want and I know where I want to be and I know where I want to end. And they provided me with the best platform and uh, a marriage between the things that I believe in and what the firm believes in. We really, I really believe in investing in relationships and that's our motto. And that's what really draw me to it. And the way that I met with the partners and the way they treated me um, and the way we talked and the way we, they walked the walk really led to thinking that, you know, we have exact same philosophy, how we're going to go to market, how we're going to treat our clients, how we're going to um, do the right things um, in in what I specialize in. Great stuff. Now, let's get into 
specifically R and D tax credits. You know what? What is it's obviously research and development, uh, short for research and development. So what? What exactly is that? Let's define that for folks. There are more exciting things. I mean, we just uh, we're celebrating um, landing the, the Apollo eleven or thirteen going to the moon uh, today. You oh, want to talk about R and D credit. We can talk about R and D credit, <laughs> but that's more exciting. Yeah. Well, let's celebrate that as well, right? Okay. But right. but people always love to get a tax credit, right? Sure, they do. So that's something to celebrate when yeah. you're able to deliver that for people. Yes, absolutely. So a uh, little bit of history on it. Um, the R&D um, started out after World War II, so we were falling behind Germany and other countries in the world. So our government saw an opportunity for us to catch back, so they started this thing called the R&D deduction. And then in 81, underneath uh, President Reagan, it became a credit. And since then, it has really helped uh, our economy, um, our businesses to really put money back into research and development and uh, us being, again, a leader uh, in that field. And a credit, it, for folks that don't know, a credit is more valuable than a deduction. Absolutely. So you're absolutely right. So a deduction is a reduction of your taxable income. A credit is a dollar-for-dollar dollar reduction of your tax liability. Now you've got everybody's attention out there, right? So, I hope so. <laughs> so, uh, what? Get into what kind of investments qualify for an R and D tax credit? What kind of businesses? Uh, how how does how do I qualify for this dollar for dollar credit on my taxes? Yeah, so it, it's interesting. One of the biggest things that I do is kind of educate our customers out there because they don't um, really think that they. Uh, qualify for it. Um, so as of the last statistics that was been put out by the IRS, it's a $13 billion industry. Um, and $13 billion, um, we think that there's about maybe 40% of the businesses out there who are taking advantage of it. So you can see the market cap that there are a tremendous amount of companies who are not taking advantage of it. In order to qualify for it, you have to pass this thing called the four-part test. I'm not going to go into it. But essentially, if you are making a widget and you don't know how to make that widget or you know how to make that widget, but you have, you're trying to improve on it somehow, then you're more likely going to uh, qualify for this credit. And as long as you're spending either human effort, effort into it, as in your own employees, or you're uh, contracting it out uh, to do it, um, then you're going to have some expenditures that qualify for this credit. And, Tommy, it can be a product or it can be a process or uh, various things like that. And it also applies not only for federal purposes, but in ca many cases it will apply for state purposes as well. That's absolutely right, Roger. So um, whether you're making a tangible product or an intangible such as software um, that you can apply, you can get this credit for that. And yes, um, it's here in the U.S., so that's the criteria for the U.S. regime is that you do and perform the work here in the U.S. Um, but federal and state, there are 37 jurisdiction states that uh, provide a uh, R&D credit. And if you're overseas, uh, there are different regimes that provide the R&D credit as well. So let me ask a dumb question, which is my Role on this show because I'm the dumbest guy in the room. So, uh, for it's, I, I would guess if you're buying a uh, piece of equipment, that's pretty easy. You know what you paid for that piece of equipment. If you're developing software, how does that work? Because yeah. that's there. There are a lot of inputs that go into figuring out that value, right? Correct. So, 
whether you're making a software for the purpose of selling it, leasing it, licensing it to a third party, such as your customers, or you are potentially developing software for your own use, both of those cases, potentially you qualify for an R&D credit. Um, so software is not something that you can touch necessarily unless it's put on a you know, like a mold, so CD-ROM that you pass to your customers, or you know these days you can download off the internet. That efforts, those efforts that the wonderful engineers and development teams are doing to develop that can potentially qualify. So I would highly recommend that you talk to a specialist in this area um, that can see if those efforts um, pass the test. We're speaking with Tommy Xavier, and Tommy is the uh, is a principal and the R and D national practice leader for Fraser and Dieter. And folks, I, I just want to remind you that this show is brought to you by Fraser and Dieter. And Frazier and Dieter is an award-winning national CPA and advisory firm with deep technical expertise and an even deeper dedication to their clients. Their CPAs and advisors believe in investing in relationships, as Tommy mentioned, to make a difference. For more information, go to FraserDieter.com. So these credits that you're talking about, Tommy, are they Federal, state, both? How does that work? Yeah, so just like Roger was mentioning, these are federal uh, credits, and as well as 37 states offer variations of these credits. So, for example, we are here in Georgia. One of the wonderful things about Georgia is that you you don't just get an R&D credit, but you can potentially also use that to offset your payroll taxes. So if you're a company who who is in losses, and you say, well, why do I care about an R&D credit? Well, you have payroll taxes to pay. Well, you can offset those payroll taxes by using your R&D credit for that. Yeah, which is a great feature here for the state of Georgia. There are, there are other states um, that provide a refundable credit. So you generate an R&D credit, you can actually get a check from the government, from your state, um, as money back for your R&D efforts. And in uh, Pennsylvania, uh, you can transfer your credits. You can sell your credits through a market and, and if you're in losses. So if companies are in losses, it doesn't mean that they don't qualify for it. They can't monetize it. Again, I would highly recommend to talk to a specialist in this area so they can see how they can take advantage of it. Yeah, that's that's compelling for a startup or an early stage development company that that is uh, they're putting a lot of money into building the business. Right. And uh, a lot of times they don't stop necessarily to consult their advisor, which they should, and figure this out because they could, they've obviously got people on the payroll where they're, they could offset those taxes. So that's extraordinarily valuable uh, uh, information here you're sharing with us. And then the other beauty is, is the recent tax act uh, made the R&D tax credit permanent. That's correct. Under the PATH Act in 2015, they got passed under President Obama. As of 2016, the R&D credit is permanent in the books. It used to be get passed every two years and get renewed. And then sometimes it was renewed uh, with just a month to go in the year. So it was kind of ridiculous at times. (laughs) Yeah, my my resume got updated every two years. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well. Um, But it's permanent now. Uh, The AMT issue is gone now, so... That's a good thing, and more taxpayers can use this and get that benefit immediately. Absolutely. So so the PATH Act, let's talk about that for just one second because it's important what Roger's bringing up. Not only did it make the R&D credit permanent in the books, but it created two additional um, 
items that are very important to your listeners. Number one is the AMT that Roger said. AMT is gone, but for those years that it was in play, you could offset the R&D credit against AMT, whereas you, you were not able to do that previously. There's some criteria there, but let's just go with high-level conversation here. The second thing it did is for startups that you brought up, John. The startups community did not have a way on the federal side to monetize the R&D credit. They would have to have been a taxpayer in order to use the R&D credit towards it. But now, if you meet certain criteria, you can monetize it because you can offset your federal payroll taxes with the R&D credit. Oh, wow. Yeah, so then that gives it the equivalent of cash. Exactly. That's sure. cash savings for them. Sure. Gotcha. So talk about the typical ROI that you see out there for this for this tax credit. Yeah, so – for those who are listening, they're thinking, okay, well, how much money do I have to spend in order to get an R&D credit? And then how much do I have to pay my advisor for those, um, for those services? Look, um, I've done a startup company of five that they had basically very little revenue, uh, software company with five developers. And I was able to get them between federal and state $60,000 of R&D credit which they used immediately to not have to pay any federal and state payroll taxes. That was cash in their pocket, $15,000 a year. So for a startup company of five, that's a lot of money. So uh, for those who are listening, if that's you, as low as six, you know, $60,000 uh, can be potentially beneficial to you. For obviously the larger companies, um, the more money you're spending on R&D credit, um, the more of a benefit you're going to get back. So the ROI between federal and state, depending on the state, you're looking at anywhere between 10 to 25% of an R&D credit for your R&D expenses, so 10 to 25%. And then service advisors are going to charge you different rates, whether they charge you on a fixed fee or um, they charge you on a um, um, time and material. I would try to stay away from anybody charging contingent fees um, that's first of all, CPA firms are not, we're not allowed to do any contingent fees, but any service provider that doesn't on the contingent fee, um, my personal opinion, this is just Tommy's opinion. I would stay away from those. Uh, there are better ways that you can get an ROI on the amount of benefit that you get and the amount of money that you have to pay to your service provider. Right. Cause it is a lot of work. I mean, these are pretty extensive reports that get documented yep. uh, with the processes and so forth because, again, uh, the R&D credit, like anything else, can be subject to audit. And so somebody needs to have that very well documented sure. uh, just in the event that there is an audit. The other thing that people are often confused with, Tommy, is is technically it's not an R&D credit. It's an increasing R&D credit. Maybe speak about that for a second. Yeah, so it's an incremental credit. So the way that um, our, our uh, Congress wrote this is that they wanted you on a year-by-year -year basis increase your amount of money that you're spending on research and development. So keep increasing, keep putting that money back into the company, keep hiring more engineers, uh, keep spending money. So if you're staying flat on your R&D expenditures, um, then you, the amount of credit you're going to get is going to flatten out and potentially go down. So uh, they want to see you spending more and more money. And as, you, as you're increasing your expenditures, you can expect a higher credit amount. Yeah, thank you. Gotcha. So, okay, all this is great. So why can't I just go to my CPA and have them help me with all this? 
bluntly um, is because they probably either don't know about it or they think they can do it. It's very easy to go and look at the instructions and say, oh, I just grab my employees and add up their wages. Oh, I've got supplies and add up those supplies and put it on my tax return and I'm done. Certainly, you can do that. Um, there is a reason why people like me and my colleagues out there, we spend our careers in this, is because there's actually a tax court case that, that says this. I haven't said this, is that is the second uh, hardest part of the tax code besides the subchapter K, which is your um, partnership. It is. It takes tremendous amount of expertise to understand the various nuances between this code section and the variety of other code sections that it, that it plays with. So that's just the code side. Then let's talk about the engineering side of it. You really have to understand what is happening at the company, what qualifies and does not qualify. You can easily fall into either category. You think everything that you do qualifies or you think that, well, I'm really not doing R&D because you have a personal definition of what research and development is. Our definition of research and development um, is correct, but it's not how Internal Revenue Code defines inter the research and development. It has a four-part test. As long as you meet that four-part test, then your activities are going to qualify. So the analogy that I use, and I'm like, you go to your GP, you've got a cold. They're very well equipped to take care of it. You have an issue with your heart, they're going to outsource that to a cardiologist. There's a reason for that. It's not that the GP doesn't know about it. It's not that the GP doesn't know anything about your heart. It's just that they don't have the expertise and they haven't spent the entire career in your heart to know about it. So this is an area that I would say, buyer beware. Your general practitioner will know about it, but they really need to get somebody who's an expert in this area to come in and help you out. Right, and that's the big difference. I mean, in addition to being a CPA, uh, Tommy's also got the engineering background, which sure. most of most of us, Karina and myself, uh, we right. don't have that, and right. so that's a that's an extra expertise, if you will. The smaller CPA firms would probably, if they know about this, would still outsource to a another company, uh, somebody to come in and do and calculate the R and D tax credit. Whereas now, Fraser and Dieter's a big enough firm that we can hire a champion like Tommy to help lead that side of our practice. Sure. Now, now, I'm curious because this sounds like something, if I try to do it myself or try to do it with a CPA that really doesn't have this expertise at all, uh, uh, let's call it a general purpose business CPA, uh, that I might get on the radar screen to get audited if i'm not if i'm not passing these four tests you mentioned uh that that might get me in into an audit yeah so the audit part of it let's talk about that for a second that's an important thing that you bring up just because you're claiming the r&d credit is not going to increase your your chance of getting audited um if you're amending returns potentially that's going to increase uh, the chances but it but that even provides even more reason why you should have an expert in doing your R&D credit, because if you do get audited, which nobody can control, if you do get an audit, you want to make sure that you have the right substantiation for the amount that you're claiming. And the right substantiation, it takes an expert to ask the right questions, to look underneath the right um, stones, if you will, and see if there's no smoking gun so that you pass that audit. Sure. That makes sense. Um so, folks, if you enjoy a difficult audit, don't call Tommy. Uh, <laughs> uh, 
but I'm curious as to obviously Frazier and Dieter clients get the benefit of your expertise. So how does it work? Uh, I'm a client of Frazier and Dieter. I get my taxes. Roger does my tax work. How, how do you and Roger work together to uh, help me out in terms of making sure I'm getting getting all the right credits that I should get? Yeah, so, uh, you know, we are trying to identify opportunities with our clients where this might be appropriate, and uh, then we will use Tommy's expertise. A lot of times uh, it's just a matter of taking him out so that he can physically see the client's place of business, maybe uh, maybe tour some of the area, uh, ask a few questions, and, and we can do what we call just an initial review uh, to see whether we think that there's enough credit there to make it worthwhile for our clients. Uh, in some cases where they have never claimed the credit, it may be that it's worthwhile to amend returns and, and claim the, the credit for prior years, and then that just becomes a decision then that we would make with Tommy and with the client. Another reason why the client needs to be in touch with Roger or his CPA, uh, or her CPA that at, at Fraser and Dieter, right? To have these conversations yeah, and, during and, the year. And it could be a client, for example, that, that has losses and now has become profitable where the, where the credit now is really going to matter. And so those right. are some opportunities there as well. Sure. Sure. But this is where the advisory part of the, the work comes in and, and, and getting, uh, keeping in touch during the year, uh, so that you get a, get the benefit of everything that the firm offers for sure. So, um, so clients make sure you're in touch with Frazier and Dieter throughout the year, right? So, yeah. And then, you know, people think of, you know, contract expenses, they think of supplies, but probably the biggest component generating the credit is actually wages. Uh, the wages of the uh, employees that we can allocate to R&D activities. And so that can be a pretty significant number in itself. Yeah, so Roger brings <clears throat> up a really good point here. So there are three things that qualify for the R&D credit uh, expenditures, so wages, supplies, and contractors. So depending on what industry you're in, absolutely. So if you're in the software industry, you're going to spend tremendous amount of money on human capital. Sure. If you are in... Um, in manufacturing or mining, you're going to spend tremendous amount of money on human capital, but you're also going to spend a lot of money on, on supplies that a right expert is not going to know is going to qualify for any credit. Um, so again, I know, I know I've said this several times, but talk to, talk to an expert in the field. Uh, if it's not Fraser and Dieter, get, get the right team on your side to talk to you about this because it's not just how much of a money can we get you? It's how much can we defend if you get audited? Right. And that's the important part um, that gets missed is the substantiation part of it is the documentation. We do, we do a tremendous amount of effort on our scientific write-ups. We do scientific write-ups, engineering write-ups on the claims where um, I think um, others may not um, do as much of a detail work as we do. So Tommy, talk a little bit, are there other tax credits that you're involved in other than R and D? Uh, currently, no, but in the past I have. So okay. I've done um, whether it's used to be the Section 199, which is the DPAT, Domestic Product Activity Deduction, or Meals and Entertainment, or cost segregations, or accounting methods. Um, I've I've done a breadth of consulting 
credits and incentives. Um, but at, at this point right now at Fraser and Dieter, the, the, the thing that we want to concentrate on is research and development because, the, like I said at the beginning, a $13 billion industry, we think that there's only 30 to 40% of the companies who are claiming that. There is a huge gap. And that's education. So one of my job is to go and educate the public about this and let them know that this exists and they can take advantage of it. It's not a gimmick. It's not something that um, uh, is just got invented. It's been around for a long time. It's just a matter of educating the, the, the clients out there. Yeah, and they can be significant dollars, significant benefits that we're talking about. Sure, absolutely. Uh, you know, Georgia has a retraining credit that, that we can do, but that is that that's pretty small in comparison to the opportunities that the R&D tax credit offers. Yeah, on the federal side, there's WOTC work opportunity tax credit. There's a tremendous amount of credits out there uh, that you can get for your business. Uh, but R&D, by far and large, is the biggest ROI out of, out of all of them. This has been great information from uh, Tommy Xavier. And Tommy is the uh, R&D national practice leader, a principal here with Frazier and Dieter. So, Tommy, for those that would like more information, uh, can they reach out and touch you, Get ask some questions? Absolutely. Okay. Um, Tell them how to do that. Just go to our website, uh, com, and then look underneath services uh, under tax. Uh, we have our specialty area, research and development, and they'll find some good information about our practice and contact uh, and contact us that way. That sounds great. Tommy Xavier. Uh, with Frazier and Dieter. He is the national practice leader for R&D tax credit. It's been a pleasure having you. Well, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure being here. So folks, again, just a reminder that Frazier and Dieter is an award-winning, in fact, a lot of awards, uh, national CPA advisory firm with deep technical ex expertise and an even deeper dedication to their clients. Their CPAs and advisors believe in investing in relationships to make a difference. If you want more information, go to FraserDieter.com. So, Roger, another great show. This has been very interesting. Well, well thank you, John. And, Tommy, thanks again for coming. Uh, you did a great job, and uh, hopefully our listeners will be better educated on what to look for with the R&D credit. Uh, absolutely. This is. I'm, I'm sure there's some folks out there that uh, will, would, would really get something out of this information. So, so, Roger, thanks again. Let's do it again next month. We'll see you then. I look forward to it. I'm John Ray for Roger Glesby. Join us again next time for another edition of Frazier and Dieter's Business Speed. Mm -hmm.